Let me turn you to some verses in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38, Matthew 12 and verse 38. And some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Well, Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then a Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Amen. I suppose I could say the title of my sermon today is Jesus is Better. And that Jesus is better than anything or anyone, including the figures of the Old Testament, including Jonah. And I hope to show that as we go through this passage. Now, for some, the story of Jonah is all well, a bit fishy. They can't really believe that uh, this happened, that the man with the overboard shoulder by fish spat out again. That doesn't happen, does it? Well, isn't God the God of miracles? And then Jesus referred to this very story, as we just saw there in Matthew chapter 12, and in fact, apply it to himself, to something greater, or a greater miracle. His forthcoming death and his resurrection. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing, and some of the people in Corinth are questioning the resurrection. Paul says, well, here's the case. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, several things flow from that. First of all, I and the other apostles were liars, because we're saying he did. Secondly, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... You're still lost in your sins because Jesus' resurrection is the proof that Jesus dealt with our sin and is coming back to judge the nations. And so Paul adds, but he did rise. In fact, his resurrection is the first fruits of what will be our resurrection if we are in Christ, if we're true believers. Jesus is better than Jonah, as I will show you, better than the Old Testament figures like Adam and Moses and Abraham and Isaac and so on, they in some sense were pictures or pointers to Jesus. Remember how after the resurrection, Jesus met the two in the road to Emmaus. And they were downhearted and uh, couldn't understand what had happened. Jesus began opening the Scriptures, beginning with the prophets, and Moses. He explained to them 
all the things concerning himself. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, the Bible, including the Old Testament, is all about Jesus. Sometimes you refer to Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. Well, he's the king above all kings. David was regarded as the greatest king that Israel ever had. David was flawed. David was sinful. But Jesus is perfect. And his kingdom will rule not just this world, but the universe. Jesus is unlike any other high priest. High priest who prays for the people, who offers sacrifices for sins. Priests come, priests go, but Jesus lives forever. The writer in Hebrews tells us, and he offered one sacrifice himself to deal with our sins. But he's also the ultimate prophet. He's not just a messenger from God. He is God. Let's look at Jonah. Let's look at Jonah, the renegade prophet. We read there in Jonah chapter 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Nineveh was that way, and he went that way. His mission, to go to a far-off land, to Assyria, the city of Nineveh. And tell them that judgment is coming because of their wickedness. A few years later, these same people would indeed come and overthrow the northern kingdom of Israel. And they were pretty ruthless in the way they did it when it came to war. Perhaps that's why Jonah didn't want to go. Perhaps he thought, let them reap what they've sown. Perhaps he was racist in his outlook, prejudiced. Perhaps he just couldn't be bothered. I don't know. But he ran in the opposite direction. Contrast that to Jesus. We're told he came into this sinful world. And he came knowing he would be bruised and beaten and rejected. Yet he still came. He obeyed the voice of his father. So Jonah disobeys. So now it's Jonah actually who's the renegade, the sinner, the disobedient one. And so God sends another message of judgment. But this time it's in the form or the shape of a storm. And of course, as I said to the young people, it wasn't just Jonah was affected by this storm, it was all the sailors on that ship. Their lives were in danger. They thought they were going to perish. They tried all they could. They threw the cargo overboard, precious cargo, to try and save themselves. It didn't work. The ship was doomed. They finally went to Jonah. And what was he doing? Sleeping. Jonah couldn't care less. It seemed about himself or about 
the predicament of these sailors. But they knew he was the cause of the storm. They had cast the lots that fell on him. He finally confessed, it's my fault. I know that's why the storm has come. What do we do? You've got to throw me overboard. Well, they didn't want to do that if they could avoid it. We're told they tried harder to row. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. It was impossible. Just like it's impossible to save yourself from your sin. You can't do it. You can't do it by coming to church. You can't do it by trying to be good, because we're all sinners. They finally did what they were told they had to do. And they threw him overboard. And then the sea calmed. And then they were spared. But let me take you to another sea and another storm. And it's in Galilee. This time it's Jesus on board and the disciples. <clears throat> this time it's Jesus is asleep. And the disciples are fearful. And they know this is a storm beyond anything they're used to. They too fear for their lives. And they go to Jesus. He's asleep, but he's in control all the time, even though he's asleep. God doesn't slumber or sleep truly. He's in charge of all things. And he gets up, rebukes them because of their lack of faith, and then says the most amazing thing, he turns to the wind and the waves and says, stop. And just like that, all was calm. I don't know if you noticed there, the, disciple, or the men on Jonah's ship were fearful because of the storm. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. It was now Jonah's God they feared. If he could send the storm and stop it after this. Do you remember the disciples in the boat after Jesus calmed the storm? They too were more fearful. Who is this man? that even the wind and waves should obey him. Jesus is far superior to Jonah. Jesus came. Why? To offer up his life. Not for the sailors as Jonah did, but for us on the cross. Sinners like me and like you. Well, we may not be terribly bad people as we think, but before a holy, pure God, we're as black as they say us sin. We deserve God's judgment. And the only way we can be saved and spared is through Jesus. He offered up his life on the cross that we might not perish. God so loved the world 
Alistair, you put your name in there. But he did not spare his own son. But he gave him up for you. That you might not perish, but have eternal life. I was just reading something this morning. How it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Why? Because our lives are short, eternity is long. And death will come unless Christ comes first. And are we ready? There's only two destinations. Heaven or hell. And if you run from Jesus, you're not going to heaven. Jonah, the renegade prophet. But then there's also Jonah, the repentance prophet. And if we read on in the book of Jonah, we'd come to chapter 4 and we discover Jonah stewing over the mercy of God to the Ninevites. He's not happy. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why he made haste to flee to Tarshish. I knew you're a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. I knew you're merciful. I didn't want them to have mercy. They had it to Tarshish or Spain as we think it is today. And yet, isn't Jonah the one who has already received mercy? In chapter 1 and chapter 2, God provided a fish to swallow him. So he didn't drown. Give him a, a second chance. He has received mercy. Yet he's not willing to show mercy to the Ninevites. He hadn't fully grasped God's mercy to him. They've got to give him a second chance. Is that true of us? If you're a Christian here this morning, you've received God's grace and mercy. He's forgiven you in Christ. And yet, do you find it hard to forgive and love others? If you do, then you or I, we haven't fully grasped God's mercy to us. Like Jonah. We've got a long way to go in the Christian life. When Jonah finally did go to Nineveh, the people believed his message. Perhaps he didn't want them to, but they did. They repented. And God didn't bring the judgment upon them, he had said he would. What about Jesus? When Jesus come to preach a message of the kingdom of God, the gospel, Mark says in his gospel, that Jesus said this, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Yet even in Jesus' day, many would not believe. The scribes, and they were the religious people. They were the church-going people, and they would not believe Jesus. 
They didn't think they needed to repent. They said to Jesus, give us some evidence. Show us a sign, then perhaps we'll believe you. And what did Jesus say in response? He said this. It says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What's he speaking about there? Speaking about his death and coming resurrection, he goes on to say, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater. What's that greater thing? Well, of course, it's Jesus. Jesus is greater. Jesus is God. Jesus died, was in the belly of the earth three days, three nights, and rose again. Jesus prayed for his executioners. Jesus offered up his life. And the sin that we deserve was placed upon him. And if we put our trust in Jesus, his obedience, his righteousness is put upon us. And a good exchange takes place, and through Christ we are accepted and forgiven. Brought into God's family. Jonah was a repentant prophet. Jesus didn't need to repent. He didn't need to die. He'd done nothing wrong, and yet he took our place. But if we were to reap the benefits, we must repent and turn to Jesus. Jonah, the renegade prophet. Jonah, the repentant prophet. Then lastly, Jonah, the resurrected prophet. So Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. He was as good as dead, wasn't he? And thrown into that raging sea. In some ways, he experienced a resurrection of sorts when he was thrown onto the beach. A few days later, when he got a second chance, not just at life, but at obeying God. We just referred to this in Matthew chapter 12 being three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. That's a sign you need to consider. That's Jesus in the tomb after his death and before his resurrection. That's the sign. Because unlike Jonah, Jesus really did He wasn't fake. He didn't faint. The Romans knew how to crucify and kill people. When the centurion put the spear in his side and the blood and water flowed out, that's a sign. Life has come to an end. When the woman went that Sunday morning, they were expecting a body. And yet he wasn't there. Jonah's life was a pointer to a greater one to Jesus. 
Jesus greater and better because he really did come back from the grave. And therefore, he offers us hope, eternal life to all who will trust him, that death is not the end. If you're a follower of Jesus. And whereas Jonah was sent to one particular city, the city of Nineveh, Jesus was told was sent to all the world. God sent his son. So that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we're told as believers to go into all the world with this message. Not just down the streets. Not to Port Rush to Port Stewart, but to Gran Canaria, to Colombia, to Kazakhstan, to the Roman Catholic neighbor, and the Muslim neighbor, and the atheist neighbor. Because they need to hear the gospel. There is a hell to shun, a heaven to gain. And it all hinges on your response to Jesus. What do you do with Jesus? What he said, what he did, with his death and resurrection. Jesus came and died and rose again, so we might be given a second chance. So we might repent and experience a spiritual resurrection, and then one day a physical resurrection when Christ returns. And so, as Tim Keller says, Jesus is the true and better Jonah who was cast out into the storm so we could be brought in. Tell me, have you been brought in? Where are you today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for...